Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. Today joining me is Conjunct Hartshorn. She's an LCSW. She is a tell me your yoga therapy certification. CIAYT. So I'm certified through the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And she's a Reiki master. She's a certified compassion fatigue professional. And she received her MSW from the University of Pennsylvania. Her journey to holistic healthcare began with yoga and meditation training 13 years ago while living at a Rinzai Zen temple. Kanjana owns Healing Hearts Wellness, where she incorporates an evidence-based blend of traditional Western psychotherapy, Eastern comprehensive yoga therapy, and the arts all into client sessions, healing retreats, and CEU and self-care trainings for healthcare professionals. Kanjana has worked with thousands of individuals, teaching them simple and accessible skills to empower them to take care of themselves, to live a life based on their values and grow into their true potential. You can learn more about Kanjana's in-person and virtual practice at healingheartswellness.com, which is in PA where, what's the general area? I drove there once, didn't know where I was. (laughs) Uh, So it's in Chester County, right on the edge of Malvern and Exton. Sometimes like one of them will show up on your GPS and the other one won't. So I just say both of them. Okay. So for local (laughs) peeps, that's where she is. And if you are somewhere else in the world, none of that is super relevant to you, but we'll tell you where you can find Kanjana and her practice and her offerings and all of that again, towards the end of the show. So this is really cool because I am a yoga teacher who is a trauma therapist However, the worlds collide in yoga therapy. And I have to say, I don't know much about what yoga therapy is, and I don't think many people do. So can you start with telling us a little bit about what it means? Because I think a lot of people think of yoga as their therapy or yoga as therapeutic. Yeah. But you got all those letters after your name. That's not just like (laughs) this girl didn't just go to a couple of classes and some trainings. Like this is a big thing. So tell us what it's about. So you hit the nail on the head that most yoga is therapeutic and a lot of people like go to yoga to help with their mental health and emotional wellness. And yoga is amazing. You know, I love many kinds of yoga. I mean, hello. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yoga therapy is a little bit different in that it's the application of elements of yoga, not just asana and also breath work, philosophy, meditation, nutrition to our actual lives, daily lives, like how can we apply these skills from yoga in the day-to-day practice? And it's a lot of additional training, and then you kind of specialize in different areas. So I did my 200-hour training, which is like your common yoga teacher training, and learned Mm -hmm. a lot about the basics of yoga. 
and, you know, what is yoga? Where did it come from? How do I teach it safely? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I did my 500 hour and then the yoga therapy training is about a thousand hours. And (laughs) yeah, it's kind of like getting your clinical license all over again. Yeah. It's kind of like going Uh, to doctor school for yoga. I mean, that's a lot of time (laughs) altogether. It's a lot. It it was a three-year program. Mm. So what really set it apart from my yoga teacher training was we looked at a lot of different physical, mental health conditions that can show up and how to safely apply yoga in those situations. So the reason I pursued it was I was starting to use yoga after my teacher training clinically with clients in session. And one of the things I specialize in is chronic illness and chronic pain. Uh, because of my background in hospice. And I had a client with MD who looked at me and said, like, I literally cannot feel my diaphragm. I don't know how you want me to do this breathing Mm. exercise. Mm -hmm. And I had no alternative for them. I was like, I I honestly don't know how to teach you your breathing exercise that would be appropriate or safe for you. Yeah. So cool of you to recognize (laughs) that and like, listen to that in that moment though, because I'm imagining Well, and I can even see in a lot of clinical work therapists just kind of being like, you know, just breathe it out, just, you know, and it's like even breathing isn't something that's accessible to everyone. And that's really important to remember. What is MD? Because I'm sure not everybody knows. Muscular dystrophy. Okay. Yeah. So he literally does not have the physical wherewithal to move his diaphragm in a way that's going to allow him to do breath work. No sensation, no sensation from the neck down. Wow. So that yeah. felt like somewhat of a pivot point for you or a place of, hmm, how am yeah, I going to get I around this one? Study. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I think yoga is so beneficial and how am I supposed to help this person who also has found meditation to be helpful and yoga when they were in a different place in terms of their physical wellness. Mm-hmm. So that for me was a pivot point of, I need more training. I want to learn more about this. I want to make this accessible to more people. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like as I learned more about yoga therapy and trauma work in terms of yoga therapy, I was able to see like, even in terms of mental health, there's a lot that we would do differently with someone who has a history of trauma than, you know, what I was taught in my yoga teacher training. Yes. Hmm. I've got so many different avenues that I could go down right now in all of my questions. (laughs) So I'm going to try and rein it in. I'm curious about just what it's like to be in a yoga therapy session because yoga, I think Eastern medicine and healing, and then therapy, I think Western medicine and healing, depending on like what your training style is and all. And so yoga therapy, is that considered a blend of the two or is yoga therapy still kind of a westernized Eastern practice, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think because of the language, it's really confusing because it makes it sound like all yoga therapists are therapists and that's not the case. Ah, helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like a yoga therapy session with someone who's a clinician might look very different than a yoga therapy session with a yoga therapist. Uh So if a yoga therapist is seeing someone, for example, with anxiety, they're going to look at tools from yoga that might help to manage racing thoughts, racing heartbeat, stomach aches, headaches, like some of the physical and mental manifestations, Mm -hmm. maybe some energetic tools to manage that excess energy. So they're going to look at like physical concrete tools and skills that can be applied from yoga to help manage those symptoms. If that makes sense. That does. As a clinician, I do do that in session, but then I also blend in the therapy piece. So like we'll do 
processing around like what is the root cause of some of these thoughts and physical symptoms. So we're learning the skills, but then we're also diving a little deeper into what are some of the schemas or themes that are showing up throughout your life that might come up again and again. And let's address those on a deeper level, which would be Mm -hmm. more your like Western psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the blend for me personally is a little bit different than yoga therapy on its own. Right. That's helpful to understand that as well. And how lucky are your freaking clients to have you? Because that sounds like a very, that sounds rare to have a yoga therapist. That's also a clinical therapy. Like, is this rare? I, I don't really know anybody. I don't think uh, except you. I know like two or three people. Okay. So, so it's rare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have another person at my group who's in the process of training for yoga therapy. And, you know, there's a lot of people who would really love to work with her Wow, uh, because of that. And she also does EMDR. So that blends really, really well with that too. Yeah. And just on that piece about like, you know, Western versus Eastern, I have noticed that like a lot of individuals from minority groups, people of color, part of the LGBTQ plus community feel really drawn towards this type of work because it isn't so based in like Western psychotherapy and what they might be used to seeing. Mm. It's more of that like somatic based working with our bodies, connecting with our bodies, taking care of our bodies. Like that is a piece of social justice, right? That Mm -hmm. is moving towards community care. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think- a form of therapy that uh, feels a little more accessible. Like I have a lot of South Asian clients who see that and see like, hey, that feels like a piece of home. Right. And it feels like, you know, culturally, this makes sense for me to have this be a part of my therapy. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was coming, I feel like a lot of people um, listening will know what a therapy session looks like, but let's say someone's coming for yoga therapy and they look for a yoga therapist that doesn't, isn't necessarily a clinician. What can they expect those sessions to look like? I think it's it's really going to depend on the yoga therapist and their specialty. But oftentimes there's assessments that you can take. So like what's happening in your chakras, what are areas where maybe there's some strengths and some maybe some blockages and what are some practices we can use from yoga to move through that and explore that. So they might do a lot of exploration and awareness type assessment and practices on the front end. And then a lot of skill building of here are some skills that are specific to anxiety or depression or to trauma, rather than going to your regular yoga class, which like, of course, it's going to be helpful for most people, but sometimes people can get triggered and, you know, what's going to be helpful for anxiety is not necessarily going to be helpful for depression. So it's a lot more personalized to the individual. Sure. That That does. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I know in going through yoga teacher training, yoga teacher training, a 200 hour teacher training. I don't know what everyone else's was like, but I know that they can get emotionally kind of heavy in there, even in a 200 hour. So there's a lot of like, (laughs) just a lot of like, look at yourself and reflect and connect with people. And (laughs) <laughs> Pay attention to what's important. I'm saying it because like it just it felt really intense at that time. It was like, yeah, just felt like really, boom, boom, boom. yeah, it felt real really quick. deep. Like I remember this exercise where we all had to line up and like gaze into each other's eyes for like 15 minutes. Felt like forever. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that going on, and so I'm curious what I can't imagine doing something that required a thousand hours more. And that's not <laughs> to say that 200 hours are like this 
emotional, um, like you're opening up this emotional portal, but you are doing that kind of work. And I can imagine it's intensified at that level, a three-year training program. What was it like that? What was it like for you? What kind of things did you learn about yourself as you, as you went through the yoga therapy training? Yeah, it definitely was like that. That was my experience as well from, you know, my 200 hour on that you really have to examine all aspects of yourself, you know, your shadow side and how you relate to yourself, to others, to your community. And you really have to like become more aware. And sometimes, at least for me, I'm an avoider. So (laughs) there was a lot of pieces of myself that I was avoiding and like suppressing and pushing away. Mm -hmm. And my yoga training, like, really forced that stuff to come to the surface and I had to deal with it. So it was really intense and I had to do a lot really quickly. I did have a mentor through the process. So that was really helpful. I did make some really deep friendships where like you just talk about your stuff with people and yeah, it's hard not to connect when you're mm-hmm. going that deep and everyone's being open and vulnerable through that process. Mm-hmm. So for me, like the first year was all about and yoga therapy, like all about connecting to myself and knowing myself better and uh, dealing with some things I had never dealt with or like didn't even realize were maybe not helpful to me Mm -hmm. until I had that awareness. And then the next couple of years were more about like application. And I think that makes total sense because how are you going to teach something and like guide people through applying it to their lives if you don't have some personal experience and what it's like? to deal with those things. That's very real. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not the same thing, right? Like just that experience of confronting yourself in that way, like it is overwhelming mm-hmm. and it needs to be done with like grace and support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that you learned that there were parts of yourself that you avoided. What was that like? How do you, how did you realize that that was happening? And what helped you to uncover that or move through that to the place where you're like, okay, now I get this and now I can start to apply the tools that are going to help me move through it. Yeah. So a lot of the assessments were really helpful for me in that. And then a lot of like the storytelling aspects, like, so looking at um, like the archetypes in yoga and like, how can I apply that to my own story? Like, what am I rooted into? What am I striving for reaching for? Like, what is connecting me to everything that's around me? What's important to me? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, looking at that, examining each of the chakras and spending a lot of time with them. I'm really a big fan of the koshas as a model, which is like this idea, I'm sure you know, but like, I'll just say it for people who are listening, if they're not super familiar, it's like almost like nesting dolls and they can it's not like one has to, you have to look at one before you can examine the next. They're kind of like intermeshed and interwoven, Mm -hmm. but you're looking at like what's happening in your physical body, what's happening in your breath or prana, your energetic body, what's happening in the third one, your mental, emotional body. Fourth is like wisdom and intuition. And then fifth is like your bliss, your spirit that connection to something higher, whatever that is to you. Mm -hmm. So examining different situations in my life from that much more detailed lens, rather than just like, here's what happened. And then I mean, the really slowing down and looking at things more carefully. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. I'm always, I'm super interested in um, the koshas and in the way that you just presented it, like asking yourself questions what would an example of a question be? So if I want to 
do some work or pay attention or look for something that might be hiding in around the field of wisdom or consciousness in that, in that part, like what are questions that I might ask myself or things that I might look out for in terms of disruptions to that? Yeah. So like looking at the wisdom body. So like, do I trust myself? Do I honor that gut feeling when I feel it? Am I even aware of it? What does that look like for me? What's happening in those other layers of myself when I get that gut feeling? Hmm. Am I listening? Like, do I listen to my body when it speaks so I don't have to deal with it when it screams, right? Like that's a quote from somewhere, uh, but I think it's like so telling, right? Like how in tune am I with myself? I'm, I know not everyone can see my face, but I'm doing a lot of the eek emoji or it's like, (laughs) oh, those are tough. Do I, do I listen? And then do I act from that place as opposed to just Mm -hmm. kind of moving along onto the next thing or just kind of pushing things around or denying what that wise voice might be saying. Yeah. Or even like being reactive versus being responsive, acting from a place of our values and what's important to us rather than like impulse, immediate reaction that might be coming from a place of our history. Mm -hmm. What about, so you said there are similar questions or things to consider within the chakras. Can you talk a little bit about what the chakras are for people who may not be familiar. And again, some things that if they pursued yoga therapy, what are some things that people might be looking out for, whether they decide to pursue it or not? I feel like even just that little tip you had, like ask yourself this question when it comes to your wisdom, are you listening to this? That's super helpful. So I'm curious about similar things around chakras. Yeah. So what I really love about the chakras is it like blends so well with like a lot of therapy stuff. Uh, that I think people might feel is more familiar. So the chakras are just another way to look at our energetic body. There's like the ones we typically look at are seven, starting from like your root near the bottom of your spine, all the way up to the crown of your head. And each one represents a different area in life and also uh, represents a different stage of development, a different part of your physical body. So there's a lot that can be happening in each chakra. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the very basics would be like your root chakra would maybe be like your sense of groundedness and security. So things that can show up around there might be stuff around family that feels unresolved or childhood stuff or finances, like how stable and secure do I feel? How Mm. rooted am I? In these different areas of my life that might pull me away from that. Okay. Exactly. So you would You could assess that uh, through a lot of different questions that the yoga therapist would guide you through. Uh, Because I'm a Reiki master, sometimes I'll bring Reiki in as well and use my pendulum and kind of assess each chakra. And then I'll have a little bit of guidance as to which might be the ones we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that can be really nice as a different way to explore it. And it really depends on the client. Like, are they more energy oriented or more like really cognitive and want to think about it and analyze. And we'll do like whatever makes the most sense to the person. Sometimes we'll do both. The second one up, that's your sacral. So that's like feminine energy, sexuality, creativity, like being in the flow, kind of think of it like water. Mm -hmm. So thinking about like, how much do I tap into that part of myself where I have that creativity, where I have the freedom to express and explore it? Mm -hmm. to really tap into my emotions. Mm -hmm. 
Um, next one up is solar plexus around the navel. Uh, that one is more like your ego, um, like the sun, uh, more like confidence, self-worth, masculine energy, like a little more of that heat and power. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really great one to explore for people who are dealing with low self-esteem or low self-worth and like, you know, they struggle to take a compliment or to like point, pull out their strengths and focus on those. They focus more on like what they're not doing well. Sure. So that might be a chakra that would be relevant to work with on that level. Next one is your heart chakra. Uh, that one, I think, you know, might feel a little more self-explanatory. So it's not just our ability to love others, but also our ability to receive love. Mm. Sometimes it's a little easier to send it out than to take it in. So that can be an interesting one to explore as well. Like how can I be more open to receiving love in my life or expressing it to others? Mm -hmm. Then we have our throat chakra. That's more about, am I aware of my truth? Can I speak my truth and stand up for myself and advocate for myself and honor that? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of like figuring out who am I, what is important to me and how do I put that out into the world? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have our third eye, that's uh, like the intuition piece. So you'll see some overlap with that kosha, uh, tapping into that, like trusting yourself, your inner wisdom, that type of feeling. And that might feel a little more spiritual or a little more out there for people. Sometimes it's harder to tap in to the stuff that's, you know, kind of from the neck up. Right. I'm thinking about the solar plexus and how that's, um, you talked about ego confidence, masculine energy and how that's like near the gut. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I don't what, I don't know what my question is, but I'm like, Hmm, what's that about? Like, why is that tied to the gut? When we think gut, we talk a lot about intuition Mm -hmm. and yet like that lack of confidence feeling and the anxiety that comes with feeling small or feeling like you don't belong in a space. Mm-hmm. I think of what it feels like to be in that situation, how it sometimes makes you feel kind of like sick to your stomach. Like you just feel like a shaking leaf and your stomach is like yeah. just kind of turning around and around and around. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's solar plexus stuff that you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. you know, yoga therapy can help you examine what are ways that I can feel stronger and in that part of myself, like more mm-hmm. confident and like, like I can take up space, that permission that you can give yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. And what about the space in the throat, the throat chakra? That's um, you talk about knowing your truth, owning your truth, being able to speak up about things. I'm thinking about how, again, working with a lot of people who have gone through something traumatic where they, I mean, how would you see it that they couldn't access that or that that gets closed off? because of, you know, the retaliation or or abuse that might come with, if you say something, you're going to get hurt or you're going to get in trouble or you're going to get rejected. And so what happens to it to lock it up or to stop the energy flowing through there that allows someone to be able to speak up and really do what it's supposed to? Yeah, it can be different for each person. But a lot of times what I see with people who have a history of trauma is that it's almost like it became a safety thing, right? Where like, I'm staying safe by keeping this within and shutting this down and like not using this part of myself, like it's inactive. Right. Right. And it worked for them in that moment of trauma to keep them safe or as safe as they could be. 
and now it's no longer working for them. So Mm -hmm. it'll be like a really gentle process of slowly reactivating that, opening that up and, and seeing what is that like for you processing that because it's not comfortable. If that's something that you haven't tapped into or really know how to, it can be a little bit scary. Just like us talking about our yoga teacher training and the stuff that you usually go through in that process, right? It can be super intense and scary and uncomfortable. And like, I feel like there should be a therapist on staff sometimes. I know there should be a therapist on staff. (laughs) And then when you are the therapist in the group, everyone's looking at you and you're like, no, I didn't come prepared for this and what's happening here. (laughs) It was just a lot. It was like a lot of crying, a lot of Mm -hmm. really deep sharing. And I think a lot of meaningful connection came out of that. Definitely. However, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that in going into a yoga teacher training. I think people go into yoga, whether they're looking for, they're practicing it or they decide to become a yoga teacher. I think people go into that unknowingly looking for healing. It's just something that kind of draws you yoga Mm -hmm. in whatever way you're going to experience it is something that can really draw in people for healing because it has so many different healing qualities and and components to it. Yeah. So of course you want to dive deeper and then you're just like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to. How did I get I didn't realize I was going to dive that deep. The floodgates (laughs) are open and I've only got tissues here. (laughs) So crown chakra is the final one lives at the top of the head. And what we think about typically for crown chakra is that connection to something larger than ourselves. When I do Reiki practices with someone, that's often a place where we'll start, where we'll kind of open up the crown chakra and allow things to come in. Want to chat? Have a question for me? A comment on today's episode, maybe? Click the link in the show notes to send me a message. It's quick and easy. Talk to you soon. I'm curious about, so let's say trauma, PTSD. So let's say someone comes into your office and what's always fascinating to me is when somebody doesn't know that they've gone through through trauma. And so they're coming to you because someone said they should go to therapy and they liked you and they thought you were great. And so they send their friend there. And a lot of times, you know, you might work with somebody as a therapist who you ask them questions and you say, you know, have you, have you ever been through anything traumatic? And their first answer is no. But then when you start hearing about their life, you're like, oh, so you don't consider, you don't consider, um, you know, getting hit traumatic or being spoken to in a degrading way. You don't consider that, or these things that you saw or, or being left alone, you know, when you were small, all of these things. And so it doesn't really even occur to them. So let's say we've got somebody coming in and this person doesn't necessarily know that they have it, but they do, they've gone through a lot Mm -hmm. of trauma and it's, it's, it's manifesting physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And maybe this client might say something like I I have anxiety or I, and I have trouble sleeping or something like that. Things that might indicate that, you know, there's a bigger issue there, but they Mm -hmm. really aren't expecting that, you know, they meet criteria for PTSD. If you're looking at it through a, a yogic lens, whether it's through the chakras or the koshas or any other pieces of it, what are some things that you might look for in those different areas that help you to understand, okay, yeah, there's an energetic block here, but that also is kind of paralleling the um, process of helping someone understand that like, yeah, they've been through something traumatic and they might have PTSD. Right. Um, so like, let's take, like you said, neglect as a potential 
option. So let's Mm -hmm. explore that. So we might look at the root chakra and this idea of family of origin. How does our story, this is as a therapist, right? Yeah. Our early relationships, how does that impact our current relationships in our life? Like we don't have to call it trauma if that language is not a good fit for the client. Right. Such a like, good point. How we conceptualize it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we have to call it that. We just use the language that works for them because maybe that's too much. Oh, right? 100%. They, mm-hmm. And they might tell a story and be like, haha, like, isn't that funny? And that might be the aha moment when you're like, no, that's not a funny story. <laughs> there, did you see that uh, meme I reposted the other day where it's like me in therapy and, or no, me going to the doctor. And the doctor mm. says, do you ever suffer from anxiety and depression? And then I laughed and said, don't we all? And the doctor's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> like, oh, that's not normal. Okay, cool. cool. Actually, no, we're <laughs> going to talk about that though. Yeah. Okay. So you're, so you're checking in on those things and then what? Exactly. And then we would explore like, what are the things that help you to feel secure? What are maybe some of the things in your current life and from your past that caused you to not feel secure, whether that was physically you felt unsafe, like maybe if you were neglected, like food and shelter weren't always around, right? Uh, What emotionally do you feel like, you know, maybe some of the needs weren't met? As you hear about other people's childhoods, do you hear things that surprise you? Like when you were sad, your parent asked you what you were sad about and wanted to know. Like, is that shocking? Right. So just like really slowing it down and mm-hmm. picking apart, like what, what is this idea of security? What does it mean to you? And if we were able to feel secure in this moment, what would that be like for you? And mm-hmm. can we use some practices from yoga to increase that feeling of safety mm-hmm. and security? Usually if someone has PTSD, their nervous system is like really on edge, really fired up. So you can, without even talking about it, use yoga practices to help them settle a little bit and down-regulate and then explore like, what is it like to be in this moment now that we've done that practice? Like what changed in your body? Like maybe they were gritting their jaw and didn't realize Mm -hmm. what changed in your breath. Like, oh my gosh, I was holding my breath and now it feels really free and open. So there's so many avenues of exploration. Like are there colors and you know, shapes that maybe you feel within your body. That's more like the energetic system. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to explore it. And it's really like what makes the most sense to that person as an individual, it's going to look different person to person. Mm -hmm. And in the clinical space, we're going to do more of that, like exploration of family of origin. And that example in the yoga therapy space, if you're not a clinician, it might be more of the Like, what are some tools that we can apply here to create that sense of safety? We might offer some active listening around, like, what was your family like? What was it like growing up for you? And do you think that impacts you now? But we're not going to dive really deep into that. We might say, like, hey, that's a really great thing to bring to therapy and explore with your therapist. That's got to be kind of tricky, too, because, you know, there are many unofficial positions in the world where you are kind of doing therapist work even if you don't want to, and you don't intend to, and you definitely are not a therapist, for example, a hairdresser, a bartender, a yoga teacher, and a yoga therapist, I'm sure more than others get that a lot. Is that something that's reviewed in training and ethics for yoga therapists of where to say, this is something that you need to really see somebody else that's licensed around this about? Definitely. It's a big part of our training. Uh, actually, just like therapy, we have to get continuing education every couple years. 
We have to take an exam. Um, some of our continuing ed has to be ethics. Every year we have to take an ethics quiz. And part of that, uh, or every time we you know, renew our, our certification, so every two years. And part of that is scope of practice. So like what is appropriate for me as a yoga therapist and what do I need to refer out for? And that's not just like in the mental health field, but also physical health. Like I've had sometimes people come in and say like, my goal is to be able to touch my hands behind my back. And I can't do that because I have X, Y, Z going on. Like I'm going to want to work with their medical team and not right. just like, Oh, let me see if I can let figure me stress that out. You, out. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. That's the E face. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, scope of practice is really important. I do um, have a longer training on like yoga therapy skills for clinicians. And that's uh, part of it. We have three hours of ethics and it's like, what's my scope of practice as a clinician who's a yoga teacher, a yoga therapist and a clinician, a yoga therapist or a yoga teacher. Woo. Now I've got um, crazy eye emoji of like, that was a lot. To the, it's like Pay a Venn diagram. You yeah. Know, there's I'm sure there's lots overlap. of overlap. Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar to like therapy and coaching where there is a lot of overlap, but they are two different fields. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thinking about, well, now I'm interested when you talked about the medical piece, what did you do for MD person who was having a hard time accessing that kind of breath work? Yeah. So we explored other ways to move their energy in their body. So instead of using breath, because that was just so triggering because they had tried to explore breath and meditation and had this long lasting meditation practice that they couldn't tap into. And it was just really upsetting. We explored an energetic level. So what is it like to, for example, if you go out and you feel stressed in a crowd, rather than doing a breathing practice to calm yourself, can we do an energetic meditation, focusing on what energy we're allowing in and what energy we're sending out to prepare ourselves for going out into that type of space. Kind of feel like I need to do that every morning when I wake up, like <laughs> putting myself in a bubble and yes. locking it up and then letting myself know that I can decide when I unlock it, people get in, are you too close? Exactly. You, you know, do I want you yeah. to come closer? I really love that. And that feels like something that's definitely missing in the therapy world practices yeah. like that. Like it's really easy to get very concrete, especially for myself. I'm in DBT. I'm very glad yeah. that I have yoga to that. Yoga is like in everywhere in my brain and it seeps through that. So it's mm -hmm. a little easier for me to think body cues, sensations, pull back down as opposed to like everything that's cognitive. Yeah. But I think even that, even still there are limitations with that. And so I don't know that I've ever really heard a therapist say, you know, give a suggestion like that and that in itself, like to remember, not everyone's going to be able to do it in this way, whatever it is, whatever the intervention is, whatever the tool is, not everything's going to work for everyone. And so I love that yoga therapy has different, basically like just a different way of looking at things. Yeah. That do seem very somatic, like you said, very body-based instead mm -hmm. of cognitive tasks that have to be done. Yeah, exactly. And I like kind of the blend of the two because like you can work from the top down, that more cognitive approach, and then from the bottom up. And that's a really lovely blend to be like hitting a lot of different areas at once. And sometimes you have to explore something in more than one way for it really to like hit home and shift. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I like having, you know, the more tools in my kit, please. Like I, I'll be 100%. in school forever if I yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. So what can, I'm, I'm thinking of therapists who might be listening. What are some things that they might look for in their clients to say that, um, Hey, you might benefit from seeing a yoga therapist. So I think whenever there's like somatic symptoms that they're not sure how to address, Mm -hmm. that would be a really great opportunity to see a yoga therapist, especially one who specializes in mental health Mm -hmm. when you hit a plateau in therapy. So it can be like nice to take a little pause and like go do some yoga therapy as a different way to explore things. Mm -hmm. And maybe that might open some things up and get some things moving Mm -hmm. because, you know, trauma lives in the body. And sometimes even in a regular yoga class, like you might be in a hip opener and start weeping or see that happen to someone else. Right. Yeah. So like that would be another really great opportunity to explore if there's something that they can't talk about. I cannot talk about this thing that happened and I can't even think about it, but I'm on edge all the time. I'm having nightmares. I can't sleep. I can't eat. You know, I'd startle really easily. Like you can do yoga therapy without talking about any of the stuff and help relieve some of those physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. So those would be some examples of an appropriate time. And, you know, the yoga therapist on my team works with clinicians. That's her thing is mental health. And so that way they work together to kind of talk about, obviously there's a release signed and talk about like, here are some of the practices that have worked well for this client. The therapist can encourage them to continue to engage in those learning concrete coping skills. Mm -hmm. So everybody's therapy style is different, right? Like sometimes you'll see a therapist and they're going to teach you a lot of skills. And sometimes they're going to be like really process oriented. Sometimes it's a blend. So like, that's another avenue where like this person is looking to build their toolkit. I've taught them some stuff already, Mm -hmm. or maybe not yet. Maybe that's not my style. Yoga therapy could be a really great option. And then people who want to explore energetics or spirituality, and maybe traditional settings are not feeling like the right fit for them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there is some religious trauma or something Mm -hmm. like that. So wanting to connect to something more than just yourself, but not knowing how that's a really lovely space for yoga therapy as well. Yes. I'm thinking of people who have said, who have gone through therapy for trauma and they say, I know in my head that it's over, but my body doesn't like, it's yeah. still, I still feel it and yep. can't figure out how to move things, how to move it out, like how to get rid yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. I have a, um, a client who's given me permission to share, obviously without any identifying data that they had been in therapy for years and for an assault. And whenever they were on their back, they would have a flashback. So it was difficult to sleep to mm. like lie down and rest, you know, and it's hard to function if you can't sleep, if you can't just, get comfortable. Like my eyes are so watered. Cause I'm like, yeah. just such a thing. That's a part of everyday life got taken away. And for this exactly. person to be, you know, obviously again, so triggered every time they lay down. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. And we did eight weeks of yoga therapy for trauma and week one, they were like, you know, there's a lot of choice and suggestions for self-soothing and we explore skills before even starting. So they were engaging in some self-soothing skills, but unable to do a single yoga pose or breath work or meditation. 
and just kind of covered in a blanket and rocking themselves. And by week eight, they were in happy baby legs. That's a big transition in eight weeks, man. (laughs) Damn. And and it doesn't always happen that fast. Yeah, uh, but that is a good story to lead with. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah, for this person, it was just the right fit, right? That like somatic work was really what they needed. And it can sometimes be triggering. So at the same time, they were in therapy to process, like there were some repressed memories that showed up. Mm -hmm. So it is really deep work on a cellular level. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you do need that extra support when you're working, especially with someone with a history of trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just love that story and being able to share it because they had such a huge change from being afraid of being connected to their body in any kind of way to being willing to explore these things that maybe like they weren't having fun and happy baby, but they felt safe enough to explore it. And, and to make, make the, choice, the choice empowered enough to make the choice to do it. That's exactly. what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, they're not going to choose it every time and that's okay. And like mm-hmm. being okay with that, not shaming yourself for sometimes choosing what you need in the moment. And it might be different, like in the same five minutes or like week to week. And that's okay. Part of mm-hmm. it is knowing yourself in that way and honoring it. And then having the skills for when you're ready to explore something that might be a little bit outside your window of tolerance, mm-hmm. which can grow as you explore yoga more and more. Right. What's your one skill in yoga therapy that every person needs to know? Oh man, that's a tough one. <laughs> okay. You can give me like two or three, but um, I'm very curious to your favorite, like what's your, what are your go-to's? I I think like whatever is like simple and accessible are like my favorite ones because Mm -hmm. sometimes like it's hard to motivate yourself to do a thing or like a lot of the people I work with are like perfectionists, go, go, go. They do a million things and like, you know, high achievers. So they're like, I can't give myself five minutes. Like I can give myself 30 seconds. Right. But I think things like that are something that can be done in 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of physical body, I would say be aware of where you hold tension and just bring your mind everywhere. So my whole body grip my jaw or like bring my shoulders up by my ears. And if it's your whole body, then maybe you pick like three parts that you pay attention to Mm. each time you do this. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you do head and neck and then the next part, next time you check in, you do torso. And the next time you check in, you do like hips down, Mm -hmm. right? releasing that tension. So you could do a progressive muscle relaxation where you lean into it and then let it go. Mm -hmm. You could just simply imagine that part of the body as you exhale, melting a little bit. So something like that could be really helpful. I literally have like a, I guess like a screensaver that I'll send to people sometimes where, and sometimes I'll make one for someone where it'll just say like jaw, shoulders, tongue, And then like, they'll put that on the back of their phone. And whenever they open their phone, they see that. And they just, it takes five seconds to check in. Mm -hmm. Am I gritting my teeth again? Yep, I am. Okay, Mm -hmm. let me let go of that. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Um, In terms of breath, if that's accessible, extended exhale is my favorite. So that's just making your exhale a little longer than your inhale. Mm -hmm. So that's accessible for many people where you don't have to do any counting unless you like counting. You don't have to pay attention to the inhale. We're not doing it so long. We're gasping for breath. 
we're just letting it be a little bit longer, a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And that one, like for anyone who's kind of resistant, there's a lot of studies on how your extended exhale will bring your heart rate down. So, so many. Like, I love that one people. because there's nobody who tells me that it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm like, nope, just do it. Just try it for like two minutes. But even like you said, even yeah. 30 seconds. When we extend our exhale, it triggers our parasympathetic nervous system. And when I think of somebody who's having a panic attack, or even when you're in really high emotion, you're kind of like, <laughs> you're breathing in and exactly. then or when holding. you, right. Or you're holding. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so your body is really trying to keep you regulated throughout the day, but you know, yeah. something gets thrown in the day and it catches a far off guard before we can even think about it. Our body responds to it, holds, restricts. And then our body doesn't have the chance to recalibrate itself. And so that extended exhale gives our ourself the chance to really reset in our nervous system. Yeah. Cause it's like your body in that moment, even if the stressor was like, oh, I had to take a test today. Like you might know logically it's not life and death, but your body might react like it's life and death. Right. So that slowing of the heart rate, that downregulation of the nervous system tells your body in this moment, I'm physically safe. It's not life and death, even Mm -hmm. though it might feel like it. Mm. And that can help settle, like move someone out of that panicky place into like, maybe I'm still nervous or anxious, but I'm better able to function and to deal with this right? because I've self-soothed and moved into that parasympathetic state or moved closer to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I super love the extended exhale. And for people who are like into Fitbits and stuff and like, you know, they need you to prove it to them before they're going <laughs> yeah, to do a little study. Try it. <laughs> exactly. Do a self-study, like check out your heart rate, set a timer, yeah. do the extended exhale, see what happens. And like, you can even do the opposite. Like if you are really low energy, you can do an extended inhale and kind of raise the heart rate and give yourself a little bit of a boost. But I think, you know, for most people we're looking for stress reduction, extended exhale is really lovely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about things related to yoga therapy. And I hope that people listening that are kind of feeling lost, especially those who are feeling lost in the system you know, Mm -hmm. don't have access to mental health care, or it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel accessible. Maybe they have the logistical part down, but it just doesn't really vibe with them that there is this other option out there. And there are people who are skilled in this area that are able to help. What is your social media information? So people can find you there. Sure. So our Instagram is healing hearts, wellness hearts is plural. Same thing for the website, healingheartswellness.com. And then same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash healing hearts wellness. And does your practice offer workshops or tools that are accessible anywhere virtually? Yes. So we have a couple like self-study programs. There's the 20 hour one that is yoga skills for anxiety, depression, and trauma. And that also is 20 credits for therapists. So we've had both clients and therapists take it and you just do it when you want to. Um, and it has the three ethics credits too. So you feel like a little bit more knowledgeable about like, what's okay for me to do in session. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very experiential and that one's virtual. And then we have an eight week program that you can take all virtually, or you can do a hybrid where we meet once a week. Uh, it's starting next week, this next round, but we do it like at least once a year. Throughout the year. Okay. And we try to keep it pretty affordable. It's 30 hours, again, credits for therapists in Pennsylvania and social workers in New Jersey. Um, And it's, I think it works out to being $26 an hour for the program. 
which is really great. Usually we see these programs for like, you know, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, And we work out payment plans and we have a couple scholarship spots and things like that to try to make it a little bit more accessible for people. Nice. I'm also on insight timer. So if you want to like try some meditations, there. yes, I forgot you were on there. Insight Uh, timer is a free resource. (laughs) If you don't have it, download it. And Kanjana can take you through practices on insight timer. Can you, can, do we just look you up on there? Yeah. So you would just type in my name, which is, I will spell. Yeah. Go ahead and spell it. Get a pen guys. <laughs> so first name is Kanjana, K-A-N-J-A-N-A. I'm probably the only Kanjana, but Probs, just in case. But yeah, tell them. <laughs> Last name is Hartshorn. H A R T S H O R N E. Awesome. So go find Conjadon Insight Timer for free. Tell friends about it who need to hear about it. Find her on social media and on her website. And there are practices there available for you now as an individual, as a therapist, as a human who's just looking for more healing. So once again, thank you so much, Kanjana, for being on Tea Talk today. And I will talk to everyone next episode. Take care. All right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all and make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.